0: Welcome to the Bridge Builder Program, an initiative of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, where we help you live your faith in the public arena. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and joining me in studio is our producer and Minnesota Catholic Conference Communications Manager, Kit Zapeniac. Hey, Kit.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Remember, you can catch us every week right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. If you do miss an episode, remember, you can always catch up online. Go to mnCatholic.org. For forward slash podcast. We have nearly 100 episodes there, so there's plenty to get caught up on. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of our future conversations.
0: In today's episode, we're talking about why for Christians we need to avoid a spirit of activism, why doing the wrong thing even with the right intention is not a good thing to do. In our mailbag segment, we answer a question about an effort by the government to place a new fee on local religious communities. And of course, we want to leave you with some practical tips on how you can put to start to put your faith into action. In our bricklayer segment, we have great library of videos that will help you form your faith as a faithful citizen.
1: And listeners, if you ever have an idea for that bricklayer segment, send that our way. Or maybe you even just have a question about faith and politics, shoot me an email. The email is show at You can also leave us a comment on any of our social media channels. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the Minnesota Catholic Conference.
0: We're now blessed to be joined on the line by Scott Rickert. Scott is publisher at Our Sunday Visitor, one of the longest-running and finest Catholic periodicals in the United States. Scott attended Catholic University of America, where he studied politics and also studied political theory and constitutional democracy at Michigan State University. Before joining Our Sunday Visitor, Scott worked for 22 years with the Rockford Institute and at Chronicles, a magazine of American culture. He's also served 10 years as the Catholicism expert at About.com. I tremble with such a title like that. That would be a lot of pressure to be the noted expert on the faith. He is a native of Michigan and now lives in Huntington, Indiana, with his wife and eight children. Earlier this year, Scott's article, For Christians, the Ends Do Not Justify the Means, caught our attention, and we're going to talk a little bit more with him about what he's sharing with us and the wisdom in that article today. Scott, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you, Jason.
0: What inspired you write this column, For Christians, The End Doesn't Justify the Means? Oh,
2: boy. Um, what inspired me? Well, uh, I'd, I'd like to say the Holy Spirit. Uh.
0: <laughs> That's always a good one. Exactly. Uh,
2: this is something that uh, that I've been um, thinking about, writing about, wrestling with for a long, uh, a long time, including in my work at uh, at Chronicles Magazine and at uh, About dot com before coming here to our Sunday Visitor. And um, uh, I, I I think this is one of the Questions that um, often doesn't get addressed in um, in Catholic moral uh, teaching these days, and um, it's it's one of these things that uh, that everybody repeats that uh, that phrase: "The ends don't justify the means," and you know, so it becomes just sort of part of the background of uh, of our thought, and yet we never really think through what uh, what it means to say that the Ends don't justify the means, because in fact, in so much of our uh, lives, we actually act as if the ends do uh, do justify the means. And so, in in this case, what uh, what really brought this up for me was my uh, time in holy hours uh, um, th- over the last uh, well. 90 days now with uh, with Exodus uh, 90 and um and thinking uh there in the uh, in the presence of the blessed sacrament about what is it that really should be motivating us as uh, as Catholics as Christians broadly what should be motivating us when we are acting in the uh, in the world and so much of what we do is we we start with the end that we want to accomplish and when we start with the end that we want to accomplish then obviously the the next step is to figure out okay what are the means that uh, that I need to take in order to make this end come about and uh, we're already thinking in terms of the the means leading to the end and it's a very easy uh, and very slippery slope at that point to uh to believe that well, if these are the only means that I can see that will bring about the end that I desire, then those means um must be good. It's a very political uh way of thinking it is not a uh, a very Christian way of thinking because for us as christians the the proper ends are not the intermediate ends that we see, the injustices that we see that we need to rectify, um, the actions we want to take in our own lives, the, the way that we uh, live out our vocation. Those are all intermediate ends. You know, for us as Christians, there is a single end That encompasses them all, and that single end is, as T.S. Eliot uh, said, also our beginning, and that is the
0: union with Christ. I think your point about uh, proximate or intermediate ends is an important one And our experience is that oftentimes with Catholics, it's not so much of using improper means to accomplish the end. It's that we make the proximate ends the ultimate end. So for Catholics in the public square, for example, it's ending abortion or, fi- you know, it's stopping climate change, comprehensive immigration reform, all good ends. But then we do things and focus on that as, the, as like it's an ultimate end and think about our activity as Christians and what the church, should be doing uh, as an institution with a focus as though the proximate end is the ultimate end. Is that your experience as well? Uh,
2: absolutely. And, and you see this again with parishes, for instance, that, uh, that are doing very good things, say a, uh, a food pantry or outreach to the poor or, uh, or um, drug counseling or those kind of things, that it's, it's, it's natural for us to look at these in terms of problems to, uh, to be solved. And our focus then becomes the problem. It becomes that, uh, um, that intermediate end becomes the, uh, uh, the final end uh, for us. What we should be doing, what we need to do, what Christian uh, renewal requires us to do, is always to be taking that intermediate end that we are quite rightly focused on the change that we know needs to come about but to take that back to our final end back uh, back to Christ in prayer back to our relationship with uh, with God and to recognize that in the end all of these intermediate ends I don't want to say that they uh, they mean nothing but in a sense they mean nothing unless they are properly Ordered towards our final end.
0: Uh, that's outstanding, Scott, and I heartily agree. What What do you think are some practical consequences if if we shift our attitude from making? the intermediate ends, um, you know, old, uh, act as though they were ultimate ends and and really focus on channeling our work for those intermediate ends as the ultimate end. I know we're using a lot of uh, metaphysical <laughs> jargon here when we're talking about the grammar of the moral act, but uh, these things do make a difference. Keeping the right intention and what this work is really all about, you know, the, whether it's the food pantry, the uh, baby bottle collection, political action on the part of the parish working with legislators, you know, what, what are the practical consequences of keeping our ultimate end in mind when we're doing these sorts of charitable and works of justice it It might be easier to start actually with the with the question
2: of what happens when we when we don't keep our ultimate end in mind. And sometimes uh, uh, it looks pretty much the same as when we do keep our ultimate end in mind, but sometimes it uh, it starts to diverge. And so when we recognize that one of the uh, one of the necessary means of bringing about change, for instance, is political action. And we focus, for instance, on the, um on the injustice of uh, of abortion and we recognize that political action is going to be required in order to change laws that uh, that can end uh, end abortion but if we become so focused on uh on that then because these are political laws and because politicians are people too and no politician is uh, is perfect we can become wrapped up in the idea that we need to support uh, politicians who um who say they believe the same things that the Catholic Church does on abortion but who uh, may in other ways very wildly disagree with the uh, with the church um and uh and so you have this tension that is solved by keeping the ultimate end in mind and recognizing that abortion and the ending of abortion is a step towards the building of a just society that has come about through the action of Christ in the uh, in the world and that justice means that we also have to look at um, all those other positions that a uh, that a politician uh, may hold and all of these other uh, injustices as well, not in the sense of using those uh, as ways to excuse working towards the end of abortion, but in recognizing that, um, that in working towards the end of abortion, we can't create conditions that Create uh, injustices in in other directions, and so when we start with the reality that it is uh, that that our action in the world stems from our relationship with Christ and the action, the working of Christ within us, and it's the extension of that working outwards to, uh, to the rest of the world, we, we have a very different uh, view of how things uh, function. Uh, Monsignor Luigi uh, Guisani, in uh, his book, Morality, Memory, and Desire, um, Monsignor Guisani was the founder of communion and, uh, and liberation. Um, but in, it, in this book, uh, he talks about what the world would look like if Christians actually really lived out the relationship that they personally have with Christ in the uh, in the world, and he says, you know, this is going to sound like utopia. It's going to sound like an ideal that uh, that can't be reached. But the reality is, in such a world, if we start with our end, then there will be the resources necessary in order to make sure that every child is brought to term. There will be the resources necessary to make sure that everyone has a home and is loved. There will be the resources necessary to make sure that everyone is uh, is fed. Because when we are acting out of that charity that begins with the the love that we feel for ourselves, the love that we feel that Christ has extended to us, then we feel it necessary to extend that same love to others.
0: It's as though a society of right relationship is best brought about by first starting with a right relationship between the individual person and the Creator God. Yeah. I mean I I
2: um think that it is not a uh not a coincidence. Well our our pastor uh, uh Father Tony Steinecker at uh, St. Peter and Paul here in Huntington uh says uh nothing by coincidence everything by uh by God's uh, providence but uh, but you know uh this is one of those examples where i think that um it's not a coincidence that uh, sitting in front of the blessed sacrament has uh helped clarify in my mind these uh these kinds of questions and these kinds of relationships you know it's it is creating the right relationship between myself and uh, and Christ in the uh, in the blessed sacrament that has uh, helped clarify what the right relationship between myself and the rest of the world should be, and what the right relationship between myself and my actions in the world should be.
0: We're speaking with Scott Rickert. He is publisher of Our Sunday Visitor and an author of a very fine article in the uh, recent edition of the magazine entitled, For Christians, The Ends Do Not Justify the Means. Scott, it seems that starting with uh, the proximate end or the intermediate end and not the final end is one of the principal causes of the church morphing into a a partisan institution, rather than a principled one, when it comes to politics, and a source of polarization in our community. Would you agree with that? I, I would agree with
2: that, and I think that one of the uh, one of the greatest dangers that we face uh, right now in looking at the polarization in the church is the very reality of that polarization indicates that there is a uh, a, a much deeper problem in the uh, in the church. That again, if we um, it's not that if everyone is in a right relationship with uh with God, um, that everyone is oriented uh, towards uh, towards God as uh, as his final end, that we won't have uh disagreements about about uh the practical application. Of uh, principles of, uh, of Christianity or moral principles. I mean, it is uh, um, there, there. There will always be those kinds of, uh, of general disagreements um, that are actually healthy because they help us think through um, uh, our moral action in the uh, in the world. But we shouldn't see the the kind of vitriol. And uh, and division that uh, that we currently see um, to to look at it from a uh, from a different uh, standpoint and I hope I don't wade uh, too deeply into um, uh, into controversy in saying this uh, right now but you know um, you think about uh, the kinds of uh, ways in which the bishops of the United States have tried to address the uh, the concerns over COVID-19 and, uh, and spread, and one of the ways has been the uh, the recommendation, and and in some cases um, the the absolute declaration that uh, that uh, Catholics should uh, receive communion in the hand um, until uh, uh, until further notice. And you know, as someone who uh, spent twenty plus years in a uh, uh Tridentine uh, right church and a traditional latin mass um and and hasn't actually received um communion on the hand more than uh, a couple dozen times since I was in 5th grade um that was sort of a very hard <laughs> um uh hard thing for me to um uh to swallow uh, so to speak um but uh, but recognizing that the reason for this was actually um coming from our ultimate end you know that uh, that it was a question of charity it was a question of trying to um trying to address an unknown situation where we are trying to help um uh, help our fellow man through uh uh stopping the uh, the spread of this uh this disease and recognizing that bishops weren't doing this because of a desire say to downplay uh the real presence of the uh of the Eucharist um uh has made it so that I've been able to uh to say okay I will receive communion in the hand for uh for the duration um and um uh, you know it's 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 not a uh but 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 you see a lot of division on uh, on the internet, for instance, on these uh, on these questions, and when I see that division, it makes me wonder, well, uh, why are we uh, why are we so divided on these questions? if we recognize that the Eucharist itself is uh, is part of that expression of our ultimate end if we recognize that uh, that we are ordering um our lives and our our community relations towards that ultimate end then um when circumstances deem that uh, that it's uh more prudent to receive on the uh, uh on the hand then um then we should be able to accept that in humility, um, and uh, and uh, recognize that this is an act of charity to do so.
0: Thanks for fleshing that out a little bit more with a practical example, Scott. Um, in your article, you talked about um, a thinker on what's known as the alt right who uh, engaged in a racist uh, speech. How did that uh, How did that example share a little bit more about that example and why it's illustrative of uh, your argument?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting one and um because this was this was back at the time of the killing of George Tiller who was uh one of the most uh, odious uh, uh abortionists in the uh, in the country uh, engaged in late term uh, abortions um uh and and had uh performed somewhere in the range of 50,000 uh, abortions uh over his lifetime and you know he was uh, he was murdered um in the lobby of a uh of a lutheran church where he uh where he attended um and the um at at the time uh i was writing for uh, for the about dot com uh, catholicism uh uh website this is back in uh two thousand and nine and um people started asking well you know how how do we interpret this you know i mean this guy was uh, was really awful and responsible for uh, for the deaths of uh, of many children um uh and yet you know he was murdered uh you know can we can we all agree that it's a good thing that he's dead <laughs> you know i get those kind of uh, questions from people and so uh, you know i wrote an article explaining why the church would uh, would uh, uh, point out that uh, that the murder of someone again, um, the 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 ends don't justify the means here. Yes, it brought an end to uh, to the abortions that he performed, but uh, but um, that does not mean that uh, that his murder was uh, was acceptable. I mean, this is a basic moral principle of Catholic uh, teaching um but um i got attacked by uh, by this fellow whose whose name i won't use um who uh who argued uh that my article showed the hypocrisy of the catholic church and that if we really truly believed that abortion was uh, an, uh, unacceptable then we would we would take any means necessary to bring about the end of abortion so again, the ends would uh, would justify the means. But the but the reality is that this fellow wasn't actually arguing this um because uh because he, for instance, wanted to bring about abortion or bring about an end to abortion. He was arguing this because he wanted to actually attack um uh the Catholic Church's uh, uh teaching and Pull people away from the uh, from the Catholic Church. He himself, um, uh, a few months later, was writing articles praising Margaret Sanger for uh, for her role in bringing about uh, legalized abortion, and especially in bringing about abortion in uh, in areas where it kept down the uh, the population of uh, of blacks and uh, and immigrants. And so, you know, this is a really good example um i think of how um you you can see in his case the ends justified the means he uh, he's willing to make an argument that uh, that he doesn't really believe um in order to um in order to advance his own end um and um that's one of the it, it, it's one of those points that brings into real clarity for us when we see someone else making an argument that the ends justify the means, that uh, that should open up our own eyes to the problems that happen if we fall into such an argument, even with the best of intentions.
0: Well, it seems that it's a perfect example also of when people are making uh, uh, arguments that are uh, logically or morally problematic, that it might be part of a disinformation campaign as well. And you, the example you brought up is a is a good example of that. That's the, all the time we have today, Scott. It's been great to have you on the show unpacking this article and these important questions, the way in which the need to focus on our ultimate end uh, helps guide our activity and uh, bring about positive results. First, ordering our relationship with Christ, so that we can work best to order society. Scott Rickard is publisher of Our Sunday Visitor magazine. Where can people go to learn more about Our Sunday Visitor and check out your fine content?
2: So uh, you can go to osvnews.com to, uh, to see the content from Our Sunday Visitor um, or to
0: osb.com to see everything else that, uh, that Our Sunday Visitor uh, does. It's a small media empire in Huntington, Indiana. Scott Rigard, thanks so much for coming on to The Bridge Builder today. Thank you, Jason. God bless, and we'll be back in a moment with our mailbag segment. Welcome back to The Bridge Builder, where we help you connect your Catholic faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and now it's time to jump into the mailbag. Kit, what's in this week's mailbag?
1: We received a question from a reader of our bi-weekly Inside the Capitol update, and in that update, we were writing about a bill that would allow towns to create what are called street improvement districts. A reader wanted to know more about why the Catholic Conference and other groups are opposed to something that... They say could make our roads better. So, Jason, can you give our listeners some background on this issue? It kind of seems like it's an issue that comes back every session.
0: It does come back every session. Um, And who's against uh, improving our streets, right? It sounds like a bread and butter thing that governments do. Um, Except the reality is it's just another way for money hungry municipalities and local units of government to get tax entities that otherwise are prohibited from being taxed by both state statute and our state constitution. So for example, religious communities uh, cannot be taxed uh, by a law. And so what this is, is, is though it's called a fee, it's really a tax. And why it's a tax and not a fee? I don't think anyone has a problem of paying a fee for services rendered by local governments when there's a nexus between the fee and an actual service. But what a street improvement district does is to create a geographical area as a basically a taxation district. And though you might have within that area street improvements being done a mile or two miles away, everyone within that district can functionally be charged a tax, and that's what it is, a tax and not a fee, for those improvements. So again, it's another way of getting around prohibitions on taxation, particularly for nonprofits and religious entities, especially in cities that have a large amount of those because those entities don't pay property taxes, income taxes, et cetera. And so if you're a local government and you've got a lot of street front uh, owned by nonprofits or religious entities, you want to find a way to tax that. This is a clever, they think, way of taxing cities. It is a tax and not a fee. And again, there's a distinction there between paying a fee for a service rendered by local government and then being subject to a general taxation scheme. And, these, and this is what these are. And that because they violate our state and federal constitution, Minnesota Catholic Conference, along with our friends at the Jewish Community Relations Council and other nonprofits, have opposed the creation of street improvement districts that uh, subject uh, tax-exempt properties uh, to taxation.
1: Thanks, Jason. And before we wrap up this week's episode, we always want to leave our listeners with those practical ways that they can start building the bridge between faith and public life. What do you have in this week's Bricklayer segment?
0: Well, there's a lot of great resources that you can use to form yourself in the faith and inform yourself on the issues. And one way to do that is to subscribe to the Minnesota Catholic Conference YouTube channel. We have nearly a decade's worth of really great formation on the YouTube logo. You'll find past talks and presentations on a wide variety of issues concerning how we live our faith in the public arena, not just broccoli content, as we might say, on issues, but also some spiritual reflections on what it means to live our faith in public life. We also have videos of our past events, including Catholics of the Capitol, and more recently, some of the webinars we've done to help people, equip people to be more effective as they engage in the legislative process. When you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you will also receive a notification when we post new content, so you never miss out on what's the latest. You can find our channel by going to YouTube.com and typing Minnesota Catholic Conference into the search, or again, going to our homepage, mncatholic.org, and clicking on the YouTube icon. That's all the time we have for today. For everyone listening on our podcast apps, make sure to follow or subscribe so that you always know when a new episode comes out. Then leave us a five-star rating and click share so that more Catholics can begin to build the bridge between faith and public life. Let us know what you thought of today's episode. Share your ideas for the Bricklayer segment or send us your questions for the mailbag. You can leave us a comment on the podcast episode, connect with us on social media, or email us at show at Thanks for tuning in today to The Bridge Builder. We'll be back again next week for, with another great guest, more of your comments and questions, and a new way for you to build bridges between faith and public life. I'm Jason Atkins and for Kit Sapiniak of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, thanks for listening, and have a blessed day.